And we're back here. John Scholes, Lior Sanfiru, employment lawyer, S. Uh, Sanfiru to market LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. You want to reach out and try that severance calculator? I'll tell you how you can use that. You go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Over 2 million people have tried it, so you can take that for a spin right away. And beyond that, reaching out to Lior and his team, simple 1 855 8 2-1-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Bring it on if you're wondering what it is, maybe calling for yourself or on behalf of a colleague or a family member. We're good. I want to pick up on our discussion here just a bit as well. When we were talking about when someone should call Lior's office and most, most important times, you absolutely need to call Lior and his team and why. That is coming up in just a wee bit, but we'll always get to the case of the day first, pal. What's going on? Hey, John. Great to be here on this uh, Wednesday evening to talk about employment law and hopefully Get some more problems solved. We got a lot of calls yesterday, Tuesday evening on the show. I want as many or more tonight so that we can feel good about helping people. That's really what this is, show is all about, to ensure that you're armed with that knowledge. You're, you're, you're armed, you're powerful, you feel good about your rights. You're not in the dark wondering, can this happen to me? Is my boss right? Are they allowed to do this to me? So if you're maybe driving home today, you're kind of deep in thought because something happened today and you're just wondering... Was that right? Can my boss actually put that ultimatum in front of me? Are they allowed to change my job? Well, pick up the phone right now as long as you're driving safely. Call us on the show right now and ask the question. I'll answer it. And then by the time you get home, you'll, you'll feel better about what you, uh, what you have to do. Of course, if you want to ever continue that conversation beyond the show, best thing to do is to reach out to me in the office, phone, or email. We'll give you that information again uh, throughout the show but I want to start off with a, a, a discussion I had with someone just actually this afternoon. Uh, so uh, this lady that contacted me, she had worked for her same employer for four years. And one day she walks in and her boss calls her into a meeting and says, I have a, the, the, just the greatest idea ever. Uh, we're gonna, what we want to do is make you an independent contractor. Uh, everything's going to stay the same for you. Your hours, your job, your pay is going to stay the same. But we're going to be an independent contractor. That's going to be a great idea because you can write off your gas. You can write off other expenses. Uh, you know, so you're going to save on taxes. And uh, the company, we're not going to have to deduct uh, EI and CPP. So it's a great situation. Everyone wins. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> well, she listens to our show. So she wasn't convinced that it was a brilliant idea. So that's why she reached out to me. And she wanted to know, well, you know, can this actually happen? It doesn't seem right. Well, I hope that right now our regular listeners are shaking their head uh, vigorously. Because, no, of course it's not right and it's not legal. You can't just magically become an independent contractor. So if she was an employee on Monday and Tuesday she's doing the same job in the same way, but all of a sudden... They're calling her a contractor. What well, clearly she is not. She is still an employee. She's simply someone that's been misclassified. You cannot just be called a contractor and that somehow makes you a contractor. If that was the case, we would literally have no employees. Everyone would be a contractor because what a brilliant idea. Just instead of having employees, we have contractors and uh, everyone saves a bunch of money and forget about uh, the government and how they want taxes paid. We don't care about that. No, no, hmm. does not work that way, not even close. A contractor is someone that's in business for him or herself, that runs a business. So this lady would not be running any business. She'd still be a full-time employee. So this arrangement that her employer has proposed is completely and utterly 
illegal. So I told her that she's going to say thanks, but no thanks. I have no interest in doing something illegal. But I wanted to remind everyone there that if you believe you're a contractor and then, you know, you've signed an agreement that says that and you're paying your taxes like a contractor, not so fast. Okay, you may well be in the eyes of the law considered to be an employee someone that's been misclassified. It is extremely common to see that. So if you have a regular job, you know, you, you have a boss, you do what they ask you to do, you go to work, they use their equipment, well, you are an employee of that company. That means, mm-hmm. number one, you have to be careful how you pay your taxes because you are an employee. But beyond that, you have the rights of an employee, such as overtime, vacation pay, and importantly also severance. So if you've been misclassified as a contractor and they let you go, you're owed your full severance because you're an employee. That could be as much as 24 months pay. Very, very common. I've seen this exact scenario, John, many times when company just comes up with this brilliant idea to make someone a contractor. It doesn't work that way at all. Review some of our topic from last night and carry on with that. And that is times you absolutely need to call Lior and why we'll come up with that. The Employment Law Show, stand by. Hey, lots of time here. Don't be bashful. Pick up that phone. Let's get on the uh, get on the air with us. Ask your questions. It's your workplace rights. It's where you spend most of your days and most of your uh, most of your afternoons, most of your week is at work, right? So you got to know what you're talking about. You got to be protected with that knowledge. Again, 416-870-6400. But we started to get into this discussion uh, last night, Lior. Then we got inundated with phone calls, which is a good thing. But we were talking about the most important times you absolutely need to call you and your team and why. I want to start working our way through the list. Just uh, maybe remind us, give us a little um, a little uh, reminder of what we talked about last night in, in those terms, why people should be calling you right away. Yeah, and then, you know, I often talk to people and they're saying, well, you know, something happened. I always wonder, should I be calling? Should I not be calling? When is really a good time and, and when is it necessary to get some legal advice? So yesterday we addressed uh, a few scenarios. Number one, of course, when you lose your job, always, always, always without exception, you have to call and get legal advice. Chances are in almost every case, you're owed significantly more than what you've been offered. And there may be situations where the termination itself is illegal. So without exception, if you lost your job, Young or old, senior position or junior, two months or 20 months of employment, you have to call. We also talked about temporary layoffs. If you've put on a, been put on a temporary layoff, you got to give me a call because that layoff may well be illegal. An employer doesn't have a right to put you on a layoff temporarily. You can treat that as a termination. And if you don't do that, if you just accept it, that's just an invitation for that to happen again and again. So if you're on a temporary layoff, we need to talk. Finally, we talked about uh, a situation where your boss may be building a case against you uh, by giving you negative performance reviews. If that happens, we need to talk about how to respond to that because what we're trying to do is ensure that you're not being let go for cause. How do we respond? What do we say? How do we build our own case? So if you feel that your boss is building a case against you, you're probably right, and that is an excellent and a very important time to give me a call. Again, guys, 416-870-6400 is how you do that now to call us on air. Uh, next one down the list of reasons why you got to call Lior right away, your employer. Oh, look, they've just announced changes to the terms of your employment. How nice. Yeah, and, and that's something that happens a ton. There, there's no yeah. person that's going to go through work, you know, if you're working for a, you know more than a few months where something's not going to happen. Your employer's not going to make some changes. Now, some changes you're happy with. Some changes are fairly minimal and you're you're okay with them. But if your employer is imposing a substantial change, remember, that's not something they're allowed to do. And I'm talking about salary reductions or changes in hours, changes in shifts. 
uh, a demotion, even a relocation. If those things are, are being imposed by your employer, we need to speak and you need to pick up the phone and call at that point. Why? Because, again, there's a short timeline to deal with this. This, these types of changes could result in what we call a constructive dismissal. It gives you rights to consider your employment as being terminated, to pursue and get severance, but you only have a short and a small window to deal with that. You can't say, well, let's uh, you know wait a few months and then I'll call Lior once I, I know for sure. No, no. By then you're considered to have accepted those changes. So anytime there's a, an important, a substantial, a, a real big change to terms of employment, there's no waiting. You have to give me a call, at least so that you understand your rights and your options. The fact that you're calling me doesn't mean, oh, you're necessarily going to want to do something about it. But to understand your rights is vital in that situation. Grab a call in the meantime. Uh, Tony, thanks for uh, taking the time tonight. How are you, pal? Uh, great. Great. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, you bet. What's up? I had a question regarding uh, where our company was purchased about uh, 18 months ago by an American company. We're a Canadian company. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going through a whole bunch of changes, you know, uh, things that we do differently, you know, uh, uh, jobs that, um, you know, uh, move to, to, to head office, some, some, you know, responsibilities being moved around to people in the, in the current office. Uh, no, no layoffs or anything of that sort uh, yet. Anyways, uh, the question I have is, you know, we've gone to a new um, uh, payroll plan that has a built-in uh, job description, oh, sorry, a built-in uh, HR kind of module where we're doing reviews and things. But now they're asking us to, to um, you know, write our own job description. And they're doing this right across the, you know, all the brands that they've purchased, all the companies they've purchased. And I'm kind of scratching my head at that one, uh, you know, because through due, due diligence, when you buy a company, uh, do you not already know what, you know, when you buy a company, don't, do you not already have an idea what all the people in the company are doing and, and, uh, and this asking of us to write our own job descriptions? Does that make sense to you? Could that actually hurt us in a situation of being, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, having a constructive dismissal if we don't like what they're telling us, what kind of work we're going to be now doing versus what we were doing before? So that's a, that's a, a great point, Tony. So, you know, certainly... What you say is what you said about, well, why would they do that? Wouldn't they know already? That was my first thought as soon as you started asking the question. Of course, throughout the due diligence process, they should have figured out what you do, what your colleagues do. So it kind of is just bad business practice to realize, hey, we don't know what Tony's doing, so let's have him write a job description. But that said, there's nothing illegal or inherently wrong with them saying, you know, tell us exactly kind of what your role is. Where the problems could arise is once you've done that, if they say, well, okay, thank you, but we don't want you to do that anymore. Now we want you to do something else. If that's what happens, then at that point, yeah, that could absolutely become a constructive dismissal. And we'd have to assess whether what they want you to do, was it a demotion? Is it a big difference, a big change? And if it's a constructive dismissal, you have rights. But that's kind of step number two, and there may never be a step number two. I don't have any concerns with you providing a detailed job description. It's what they do in response to that that could potentially result in a constructive dismissal. So if you find that they're making changes, if they say, okay, we don't like this, we're going to do something else, then you have to give me a call and we'll assess uh, what they've proposed and see how we feel about it. Okay, thank you. I'd like I'll do that if there's any uh, blowback after the job description. Thank you. Thanks, Tony.
I'd write down CEO, see if it gets through the filter. You know, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see if anybody uh, catches way, it. I, I'm making a lot of, I'm making $2 million, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. Wow, Tony idea, went Tony. from 80K to 300. All right, yeah. I guess he knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> Could if you he imagine? says so, I guess he must if be he right. Says so. Tony, uh, follow up, please. If anything happens beyond that, you can always call Lior at the office and talk to his team, 1-855-821-5900. And, of course, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, yeah, talking about times, uh, you absolutely need to call Lior at the office and get a hold of his team. This one, too, you know, your employer won't let you come back from a disability or won't even accommodate if you have medical restrictions in order for you to come back to work. So this is where that red flag comes up and, and you you have to be very concerned if uh, your employer won't cooperate and you coming back to work if your employer you know after disability leave or your employer won't uh, be not working hard to accommodate you you have to call okay because you have an entire host of rights in that situation remember you do have the right to to go back to work and your employer has to make all efforts to bring you back after a disability leave they can't ignore you they can't freeze you out they can't just say no none of that is legal and of course uh but what flows from that also they have to accommodate you if you have a doctor's note and that doctor's note outlines restrictions that you have your employer has to find a way to accommodate you and provide that support very very important and if your employer does that wonderful if they don't if they don't want to accommodate they don't try or we just have nothing for you that is an extremely important and vital time for you to call. Uh, that could be a human rights violation. That could be a, a violation of the Employment Standards Act. That could be a constructive dismissal. Uh, and oftentimes, just me getting involved and me sending them a note reminding them of their obligation solves it. And say, okay, yeah, yeah, no misunderstanding. Of course, we'll accommodate. Of course, this right. person can come back to work if, if that's what you want. So mm-hmm. my point is... You, that is an important and a vital time to give me a call if you find yourself in that situation. It's interesting, and there's a there's a certain there's a, a pretty high threshold for the employer, regardless uh, to make those accommodations too, right? Absolutely, and sometimes it's difficult to provide that accommodation. It may cost money. It may require some creativity. Even mm-hmm. then, your employer has to provide that accommodation. It's not just in situations where it's easy. Even if it's difficult, they have that legal obligation. We call this accommodation to the point of undue hardship. What that means is even if it's hard, you got to do it. Now, of course, at some point, it's too hard. It's too costly. Then, yes, you don't have to go beyond a certain level. But unfortunately, John, I've seen this many times over my 20 years of of practicing employment law, that employers just don't go far enough. And if they don't, that's a human rights violation. So keep that in mind. Your employer does have to find a way to accommodate you. How about this one? You're being harassed by a coworker. Even worse, uh, more difficult you may seem is you're being harassed by the boss, the big man. Yeah, you know, harassment, workplace uh, mm-hmm. harassment, workplace bullying, a poison work environment. Call it what you will. None of that is appropriate. And that is as soon as you find yourself in that situation, we need to talk. Because what I don't want to have happen is I don't want anyone to to continue suffering or to kind of spin their wheels trying to get something resolved and not getting any answer. Remember, your employer does have the legal obligation, the moral obligation too, but the legal obligation, more importantly, to deal with that harassment, to, to, to rectify, to investigate, to figure out a solution, to make it go away. And if they're not doing that, if you find yourself, you're still being mistreated, uh, if there's no one to talk to there because you've tried or it's the owner itself, 
that's harassing you, well, then you give me a call. That is a time you ask, when should you call me? If you're a victim of harassment, we need mm-hmm. to speak. And there's an entire list of rights that you have there, whether it's constructive dismissal, human rights, uh, rights under the occupational health and safety legislation. So definitely, definitely a harassment situation, an important time to pick up the phone and call. Well, Mike, thanks for joining the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good stuff. What's uh, what's on your mind, Mike? Well, first of all, I just want to say I love the show. I just happen to be in the car at this time a lot, and I, I get to listen to the show, so thank you very much. Uh, love it. My, thank my, you. My question is, is just basically out of curiosity. So been with the same employer for a long time, let's just say 20 years. 15 years, we're in a unionized environment. Then I got a promotion. I'm in management now outside of the union. So if I was to get canned, uh, would, would my severance be effective back until – you know, going back 20 years ago or just effective five years ago when I moved to management? Wicked question. Excellent question. And the answer here is very straightforward is all years count, including the time that you had with the union. So it's, you're a 20 year employee. And if you were let go, uh, then your severance is going to be based on 20 years of service. Uh, and, and obviously that's a substantial amount. It could be as much as two years uh, of, of severance. So all years count, Mike. Oh, great. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Mikey. Appreciate it. Safe driving. That's actually, a, that's actually a really good situation to be in. You work 15 years for a union, so if you've got union protection, and now you're free and clear of that, which means your severance is more robust if you ever get let go as a manager, right? That's a good situation he's in. Absolutely. If you're going to be let go, you'd rather be let go as a non-union employee mm-hmm. than as a union employee, only because severance, the severance rights, don't really apply Certainly not in the same way to unionized employees. They only apply to non-union employees. So, you know, if, if Mike was a unionized employee still after 20 years, he could be potentially looking as as little as eight-week severance. As a non-union employee, he could be as much as two years severance. So very important to remember that. But yes, all years count. Even if you only became a non-union employee six months ago, and before that you were for 20 years a union employee's all the years are going to count when it comes to calculating your severance. Great question so far. Appreciate you joining the show so you can use that number. you still got a, a few minutes here. And we're also talking about the times you absolutely need to be calling Leorna's team right away. And this one is just, this one's ramped up big time, especially with the, you know, the changing work environment. Some working at home, some not. And that is you've been offered a new employment agreement to sign with these changes, right? Yeah, this is, you know, automatic. You know, new employment agreement, you you. Turn around, you pick up your phone, and you call me. Always. Not, not even a question about that because mm-hmm. it's always a bad thing. So I'm talking about existing employees, for, first of all. If you're already an existing employee, you've been working for the company, you're not a new hire, and your employer just says, hey, here's a new employment agreement we decided we want you to sign, that's not good. Okay, There's no good thing that can come from signing that. There are going to be terms in that agreement that are going to be very good for the employer, very bad for the employee. So you don't want to just agree to that. You want me to see what it does, what it says, so we can discuss it and figure out exactly what you could be losing by signing it and also talk about how to respond to your employer. Mm-hmm. But not even then. Even if you're brand new, you're, you're looking for a job, you've made a job offer, here's the employment agreement to sign, call me. Let's talk before you sign. Because in that employment agreement, that could absolutely be problematic terms. Usually when people are excited, when they just got a new job, they're going to look at the salary. They're going to look at how many weeks vacation and maybe not a heck of a lot beyond that. Well, I look beyond that. Is there a term that limits your severance? Is there a term that allows the company to put you on a temporary layoff? 
allows them to change your job and, and your compensation. And then we can talk about how we negotiate those terms away. So if, if you're starting in a new employment agreement as a new employee or an existing employee, yeah, that is an, an important time to call. How about this one too? If you're pregnant, uh, pretty much if they do anything to you, anything. Right? Yeah, we, we, we don't need to be very specific here. Frankly, it's, it's if you're an employee that, that's pregnant or it doesn't have to be pregnant. If you're a, a father about to take a parental leave. So mm-hmm. a mother or a father taking a pregnancy or parental leave, and anything happens as, as a result of that, you, you got to call, okay? There are so many yeah. protections here for employees in that situation that an employee that does anything to you other than congratulates you, maybe gives you a promotion, uh, if, if something negative happens, that that's a bad thing. There's going to be a lot of consequences for that employer under human rights, under employment standards, uh, constructive dismissal, wrongful dismissal, you name it. Can't do that. Your employer has to allow you to take the leave that you want, has to bring you back to the same job and the same pay. You can't be punished in any way. So if despite what I said, something negative happens to you, no, no, no exceptions. You call me right away. Let's get Wayne in here under the wire. Thanks for calling in, Wayne. What's going on? Uh, so I had a question a little bit different, but I recently went through a uh, separation, legal separation, and uh, part of the agreement was to leave my spouse on my benefit plan for three years. Just wondering if that's, illegal or is that legal to do or is am I doing something illegal should I be informing my work or my benefit provider that we're legally separated and part of the agreement was to keep her on it in order to collect the benefit I'm going to give you the, the legal answer and the legal answer here is you have to tell them and, and that may mean that she doesn't qualify to be on your benefits or it may mean that you can still keep her on it but the point is you have to tell them and here's why if she no longer qualifies and, and you don't tell them and they keep her on and then they find out, number one, they're going to charge you money. Number two, your employer can potentially fire you for cause in that situation. Uh, so it's a terrible situation to be in. I would tell them, and if there's a way to keep her on benefits, you can work with the insurance company to do that. But you're taking a very big risk by not telling them that your status, your, your marital status has changed. You should tell them. Wayne, appreciate the call, and that's a good way to wrap up the show for this evening. But again, like last night, we're back tomorrow, 6.30, so we'll continue with more of your calls. And in the meantime, reaching out to Lior, we said you should be doing that for these particular reasons. Just do it when you want if you have a question, right? one 821 5900 to make that call. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well, the Employment Law Show. <laughs>